Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. It's good to be back, everybody. How you feel today, huh? You know, I, I'm just letting you know, I just decided that it was just time, and uh, I know it's going to take time for everybody to come back, and, you know, things may not be the same way for a long, long time, but we thought it's just time to come back, and it's time to worship God together, and uh, I don't think we've been in, I think the last, I was telling my wife, the last time I preached inside here was uh, July 12th, I remember the day, because we went on vacation the next day, and so it's been quite a while since the last time we were in here, and we were only in for like four weeks about that time. But it's just good to be back and um, made the decision to come back. Today we're starting a brand new series. It's called um, Talent, as you saw on the bumper video. And um, I, w- I want to begin with this first message. Uh, I'm part of a big, big story. Now, do you remember uh, a couple years ago, maybe it's been at least three years, I, I don't know, it happened about two to three straight years on July 4th. And... Uh, when that big plane flew over it. Anybody remember that? I remember we're sitting in the backyard and having a good time, and everything just started shaking. I mean, shaking. And uh, I, I didn't know what it was until somebody points up to, to the sky. And, uh, and I look up, and that thing, that C-5, was so big. I mean, huge. And it's shaking everything, and it's flying very, very low. And it wasn't much south of where I live. So it was like right there. That thing, that plane, looking up the dimensions as it's flying through the air, it's, uh, it's 240-something feet long. That's like 80 yards, guys. Its wingspan is 220-something feet long. That's like 70 yards wide on the wingspan. That can carry a payload, a cargo of 281,000 pounds. Has anyone ever wondered besides me, how does something like that get off the ground? Anyone ever think like that? I'm watching that thing, I go, how did it get off the ground? That's a, it's, it's crazy. And as it's flying by, everybody's ooing and on. I'm ooing and on. It's, it's fantastic. But here's the thing. There's somebody I know from our church who works for a company and this person in our church, he was the one who actually made the panels, the inside and the outside panels for the nose uh, cow. He made that. And so as that plane is flying by, and everybody's oohing and on, and the magnificence of it, and it's just shaking everything, and the power of those engines, that's the big thing up there. But there's a person that I know on the ground that no one else knew that he had a piece of that big plane going, flying up through the sky right by that just really uh, overwhelmed all of us. I say that to say this. As a follower of Christ, you and I, once we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are now part of a big, big story. There have been big stories in 2020. Amen to that one? Many, and there's still one playing out. But you know what? Those stories are minuscule in comparison to the biggest story. And the biggest story is the kingdom of God. You see, as followers of Christ, you and I, if we so choose, if we so choose, we'll see that in message three in the series, if we choose to, 
We can really be part of this great big story. We can join the ranks of Jesus and Paul and Peter, James and John and all the disciples and all the people in the hall of faith of Hebrews 11. If we so choose, we can be part of it. If we get into this story, we're going to take a parable for the next four, maybe five weeks, but I'm pretty sure it's four weeks, the parable of the talents. And in that story, you, just to give you a little background, as Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God, when he speaks the story about the five, two, and one talents, where he is standing and where he is teaching, where he is sharing from, is the very place, it's called the Mount of Olives. Some of you have stood there. It's the very place where Jesus will ascend from, where he ascended from. It's the very place where he will come back to. So he's telling the story about a landowner who has given talents to these guys, these, these servants of his, and then he takes off. And so it's very fitting and very visual that where Jesus is telling the story, that's where he's going to take off from. And he's left us with all kinds of talents, gifts, and abilities that we can utilize in our life in the big story. Now, the big story began when it said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, God existed before that. God always was. Before Abraham was born, I am, Jesus said. He's the I am. He always was. Now, it began with God saying, in the beginning, God creates the heaven and the earth. It continues with, and God said, let there be light, etc., etc. It continued with the prophets who came. And they shared and they warned Israel to get out of sin and out of idolatry. And they shared all these prophecies, many of which have come to pass. Some of the most amazing, unique prophetic statements that have come to pass. That's why the Bible, one of the reasons why the Bible is no ordinary book. It's a supernatural book. These words of God written by men, but inspired by God. It continued on when Jesus comes and he goes to a cross and he carries our sins and he dies and they bury him. And he rises from the dead to give us new life and then he ascends to heaven and when he ascends to heaven on the Mount of Olives Luke the writer writes this in Luke chapter 1 he says he's writing this this letter of Acts to tell us all that Jesus began to do and to teach he says Jesus began it but you and I are to continue it we're to follow up on this thing we're to continue our involvement to expand and to keep the, the big story going this kingdom of God story I, there are certain verses I'm going to share with you right now that are some of my absolute top 50 verses in the Bible, for me personally. And one of them talks about David in Acts 13, 36. And this is a verse that I think everyone should really think about because it pertains to all of us. It says in Acts 13, 36, For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid among his father's and underwent decay. What is that telling every one of us? It says that David lived at a certain, certain time frame in history. And he found his purpose. And he found his reason. And he lived that reason and that purpose in his life. Let me tell you something about you and me. Science, science can tell us what we are made of. They can tell you the the chemical composition of your body, all the elements. They can tell you what percentage is water, what percentage is this. They can tell you all those things. They can tell you what you're made of, but science can never tell you why you are here. It can never tell you why you were created. 
It can never tell you, give you your purpose in life. It is very limited in that respect. And if you're wondering, you're saying, Jim, you don't, you know, you don't think science and God go together. I think they go fantastically together. Because you see, you cannot just talk about the combustion engine and leave out Henry Ford. Any amens on that one? You need Henry Ford and the combustion engine. The engine is the mechanism. Henry Ford is the agent. God is the agent. Creation is the mechanism that he created. And when science figures out how something works, they're just figuring out how God made it work. Any amens on that one? And so you and I will never know why we're here unless we find that out from God. Now watch what it says in Revelation 4 verse 11. It says this, Worthy are you, O our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. And because of your will, they existed and were created. If your kid ever asked you, why am I here? You would tell them, because I wanted you here, correct? And therefore, I created you. I wanted you here. So too with God. When people walk around going, I don't know who I am. Why am I here? We're here because God wanted us here. Because God created us. And he wanted, wanted us in his life. We exist because of God's will. God created us. And so we're going to look in four weeks at talent. These gifts and these talents and these abilities that God has placed in every person. The parables, fantastic parable. But first, let's go to our key verses. These two in our key verses are once again part of my top 10 verses in Proverbs. I want you to read these verses with me. I'm gonna read, we'll read them both and then I'll explain it. Here we go. One, two, three. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. Next verse, please. Here we go. Do you see a man skilled in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. Now, let me tell you what this means. Uh, these are two of my, I bank on these verses in my life in Proverbs. A man's gift makes room for him. Brings him before great men. Literally, that is the idea that if you're going to get an audience with someone of importance, you've got to bring a physical gift. That physical gift opens the door for you. You and I have been endowed by God with gifts, talents, and abilities. And as we use those gifts, the doors open up for us. As we use those gifts. The second verse, I believe, goes with that verse. Do you see a man skilled in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. Now, I got to tell you what the word skilled means. Literally, the word skilled means to flow like water. See, some of you in your jobs, you've been doing it so long that for you it's effortless. Any amens on that? You just flow like water. You are very skilled at it through repetition, through years of doing those things. And so you put all that together, you use your gifts that God has given you, you find them out, and then you begin to utilize them and utilize them and utilize them and utilize them, and then you begin to flow like water in those things, and the doors begin to open up for you, whether you went to college or whether you started in a company. They recognize the ability, they recognize the skill, and then you begin to advance because you have a good attitude, amen? And then you begin to advance because of those things. It's a very, very simple process. Our gifts and our ability, our skill to flow like water, it opens doors. So we've reduced it to this phrase here. And it says this, say it with me all together. One, two, three. God gave it, don't, don't waste it. I like that. 
God gave it, don't waste it. God gifted you. He gave you abilities. He's given you talent. Don't waste it. So turn in your Bibles. It'll be on the screen. Matthew chapter 25. I'm going to read the whole parable today, today only, just to give an overview. And then we're going to break it down into three statements today. And in point one, I'm going to give you three bullet points. So let me read it. I'm going to give just brief commentary as I go because the, the four weeks will fill it all up. For it is just like a man, verse 14, about to go on a journey. That's Jesus. He's on the Mount of Olives. He knows what's going to happen to him. Who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. He's going to give the people that serve him something very important. He's going to trust them. To the one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. Jesus ascends. Immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gave five more, gained five more talents. He got busy with it. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. He went out. He did something about it too. Verse 18. But he who received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, you could say after a lifetime, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. We all want to hear that one. Amen. Also, the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one also who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid and went away and, and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed? Then you ought to have put my money in the bank. Do the least amount. And on my arrival, when I return, because I am coming back, I would have received my money back with interest. There would have been at least a little bit of gain. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. That almost sounds unfair, huh? but it's not. For to everyone who has, more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. That sure goes against the culture today. Now, three things today that we're going to pull out from these first set of verses. And the first thing is this, number one, and that is, God trusts me. God trusts me. Now, going back to verse 14, verse 14 says this, for it's just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. 
God entrusted his possessions to them. God entrusts things to you and to me. The word entrusted means to give to another for their power and for their use. Now, let me tell you something. God, God trusts you. God trusts me. And trust is a, is a very important word because every human on this planet, every human, would like to be in a relationship where there is trust because trust also needs love in it. Amen? My wife and I, we trust each other. I, you know, I, she, my check goes, she knows what, I, I don't know, I don't exactly know what I got. My wife does, but I trust her. I, I don't worry that she's going to go behind my back, do something dumb, something foolish, something she don't want to tell me about. See, she loves me, and I love her, 39 years worth, and we trust each other. And that's what I think everybody would like to be in that loving, trusting relationship, correct? That's why everybody needs God. Because God loves them and God trusts them. And, he, and He's trusting us to do something with what He's given us. So my first question is this. Where or how do I use these talents, gifts, and abilities that God gave me? Well, I can think of two things right off the top of my head. The first one is in our vocation. Look, some of you already know this. Some of you are in a job field where you absolutely know that you are being able to utilize your gifts, talents, and abilities. Correct? You know it. And it's very enjoyable. And you've gotten so good at those things. So you use these things in your vocation. But there's a flip side of that. You'll not only use God, how God has gifted you in your vocation, you use it in your ministry. Now somebody's going to say, no, Jim, you're the minister. Well, yeah, I am, but the New Testament teaches that every one of us is a minister. Did you know that? Every one of us is a minister. There's no one who's named, anyone who's named the name of Jesus is a minister, and that's just the way it is. And we're to minister for God. We're, we're to jump in and do something for the kingdom of God. We're part of this big story, and God trusts you, and God trusts me to do something with the gifts, talents, and abilities that he's given me. Now, I want to say three quick things about that, and the first one in your notes is this. God has put something of himself in every one of us because notice what the, what the master said. He said that he entrusted his own possessions to these guys. So the master gave something of himself to them. In other words, God has placed something of the divine in you and I to carry out. The second thing I want to say is this. God trusts us, but are we trustworthy? Are we trustworthy enough to do, with, do something with what he's given us? I think that's the big uh, reason why some people are fulfilled in life and some people are frustrated. People are fulfilled when you find out the reason why you are here, use the gifts, talents, and abilities in your vocation and for God in your ministry, and there's a great fulfillment there. I think frustrated people walk around and can be highly successful but never really know why they're here, how they're gifted, or utilize it, not just for a vocation but also to help other people. I think that's a big, big deal. Can God trust it to do something with it? But the third thing I want to say is this, because this is one that we run into, at least I do, when I talk to people. Some have to get past the past. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, how many know the past, bad decisions in the past, sins in our past, can give us a lot of guilt and shame and keep us from ever doing anything for God? Correct? 
It could really do a number on our thinking, my friends. Now, like Peter, who's made a lot of bad decisions in his past, we've all made bad decisions in our past, and we've got to get past the past. And so Jesus goes to Peter, and he tells the, the, the women, go tell the disciples and Peter to meet me in Galilee. Can you imagine if you're Peter and you get the word, hey, Jesus said specifically he'd like to meet you there, and you're the one who denied him? And you think about Jesus going there, and he's going to go there to reconcile and restore Peter, Peter who has denied Jesus, Peter, who, remember he said, I'll never deny it. Peter, who attempted murder that night in Gethsemane, slicing off the guy's ear. Peter should have been on the cross, except Jesus picks up the ear, puts it back on. I'd like to have seen that. Any amens on that? And then P P Jesus tells Peter, he's the only one he said to, to a human, he said, you're Satan. Can you imagine me called that? I'm Satan? You know, because he's trying to tell Jesus what to do. But Jesus goes there to restore him. Because he's got a job to do in the kingdom of God at that day of Pentecost and beyond. Now, if you struggle, if you struggle with the past, and sometimes you feel like, how can I ever volunteer? How could God ever use me? You don't know what I did 15 years ago. You don't know what I was like 20 years ago. You don't know what happened a year ago when I did this thing. You don't know. Yeah, you're right. I don't know. I know my past. Let me tell you a greater story and a greater truth than your past. Hebrews 10, 17 says this. And their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember, say it, no more. You know what it means when it says I'll remember no more? It means God will never bring them up again. Now others will bring it up, but God will never bring it up and throw it in your face. It's washed away. Now, some of you remember, because it's been a long time since we've been around each other, some of you remember, I like crime shows. Any amens? Anybody out there like crime shows? I just, I'm just like addicted to them. That's one of my addictions. And I, sometimes I think maybe I should have been a profiler because I like to analyze human behavior. I'm always kind of analyzing things. That, that or a prosecuting attorney, one of the two. How many would like to get somebody on the stand one time? That just would have been great. Amen, right? It would have been fun. Oh, yeah. Pure control. No, I'm just joking. But... I like crime shows. And, and sometimes I think to myself, boy, these criminals are dumb. Anybody? They're just, right? They're just dumb, right? And I'm thinking, why don't you just, why didn't you just divorce her? Why'd you kill her? Did you really think you're going to get away with that? I must say that to my wife every time we watch a crime show. Why didn't you just divorce the poor kid? Why'd you kill her? Well, here's what gets me. In these crime shows, every so often, they can, this person, whoever they are, commits a murder. And there's blood everywhere in the room or the house. And they think, oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go buy bleach. And I'm going to scrub down everywhere where that blood is. In fact, there's blood on the carpet. I'm going to take the carpet out, clean it all up. And I'm going to have new carpet put in. And they'd go to all that trouble. And then the crime scene investigators come. And they've got this little bottle of liquid, and it's called luminol. luminol. And they spray the luminol all over the room, and they get, is it a black light? They get a black light, they shine it, and that luminol, wherever the blood was, no matter how much bleach, no matter how much scrubbing, it lights up, and there's blood all over the place. And I'm thinking, are they just dumb? Why they do? They, they really thought, and it lights up the murder scene, and they get the person, and they convict them, and off they go. 
Let me tell you something about our lives as Christians. Somebody out there listening to me right now. You've got to quit spraying spiritual luminol all over your old sins. You've got to quit lighting these things up. You've got to quit going, well, I did this, and I can't serve Dan, and I did that, so I can't do this. Stop it, okay? God forgives your sins, and he remembers them no more. If we could just get that one right there, do you realize how many bricks we'd pull off our shoulders? It would be amazing. What a life we'd be living. That's first thing. Second thing is this. I have been given more talent than I think. Now, let's be honest. How many of you sitting here have ever said to yourself, I don't have much talent? Anybody? That's because you're looking at areas of your life where you're not talented instead of all the areas you are talented, right? Now watch. Now watch this. In verse 15, it says this. It says, To one he gave how many? Five talents. To another how many? Two. And to another? Wait, wait. You guys at home, are you saying that out loud too? Okay, making sure. Each according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. So I'm curious. Don't say it out loud, but how many of you know what these talents are worth. I'm just curious. How many of you know what that is? Okay. Most of you don't. Watch this. Because he's been given, we've been given more than we think. Because you could look at it and say, well, one guy only got one talent. One guy gets double, another guy gets two and a half times. That's not right. Watch. A talent is not a coin. It's a measure of weight. This is a Roman talent. They live in the Roman Empire. Now, probably silver. One Roman talent is worth 16 years of a common laborer's wages in that day. 16 years. So if you got two talents, you got 32 years of wages. If you got five talents, you got 80 years worth of wages to work with. Now, guys, that means everyone got something and everyone got a lot. Amen? So you can never say, well, I, I haven't been given much. I'm a one-talent person. 16 years of wages is what he's given these guys to work with. And by the way, doesn't that tell you that the landowner, Jesus, he has a lot to give? You better believe he has a lot to give. Now, that's the second one. Point number three is this. I must own my own abilities. I must own my own abilities. Watch verse 15 again. To one he gave, say it, five talents. To another... Two and to another, each say the line according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. <clears throat> so we say, I don't have much ability. <laughs> yeah, you do. The New Testament teaches that all of us have spiritual gifts. I'm operating in my spiritual gift right now. You know, it's proven that everyone in this room has 500 to 700 abilities? Did you know that? You also have experiences that give you great, uh, greater ability within your abilities. You also have passion. Have you ever noticed that some people are passionate about something, but they're not passionate about what you're passionate about? Ever notice that? It's your passion that keeps you focused and working in that area of your gifts and abilities. What is it? I'll tell you about me. Why is it on my days off, I still go and study for three hours? Why is that? Because I'm passionate about this. It just, I never get enough. I just love this stuff. 
Everyone has a passion. You have a heart for an area. You have all these abilities, and you have spiritual gifts in the New Testament. You have all that, and you got to use it. So the question is, how do I find it? Right? Isn't that a natural question? Wouldn't you want to know how you find it? I don't think you find it. I think it finds you. You got to get involved. You got to get involved. You got to volunteer. You got to do something. Or else you'll never know what it is. And you'll miss out on the greatest fulfillment of your life. Let me, let me show it. Let me explain it this way. So, um, my wife's family on like Thanksgiving or especially Christmas, have you ever played the game where they take a little gift and usually it's like a gift card and they wrap it in clear plastic then tape it with clear tape and then wrap it some more and tape it? You ever done that? And it's real, it gets like this thick. How many have played that before? The rest of you haven't? Oh, you're missing out. And, you, and the way the game is played is, let's say I have it first and the, there's a person to my left, they have a, they have a set of dice. And as I start ripping that thing to get to the gift down, way down inside through all the layers and tape, and it takes a long time, the person to my left is rolling the dice. And once they get a double, guess what I have to do? I gotta pass it to them. You think that's fair? Well, a month ago, as a staff, we had a three-day staff planning. And you know, you gotta break it up because you go, you kill each other after three days. Just planning. At least that's how I feel, but uh, no, I'm just joking. So we have to do some fun stuff. You know, and we, they made a, a fake field goal to kick the football to make us older people look bad because we can't do it anymore and stuff like that. But then we played that game on the third day. And it started. Like, it was like, an, uh, like a you like that. And it started over here, and I was sitting about right there. In fact, I think, where, Francis, I think where you're at is about where I was at. And it's coming. It's going down. It's going down. It's going down. It's going. And they're unraveling. They're doing the dice. And they're unraveling. And it's getting crazy as well. About somewhere in here, somebody has pulled enough tape off that they say it's a Marshall's gift card. <laughs> well, it's on now, right? Because I'm thinking I can get, oh, I can get two button shirts for twenty-five bucks. I can get two and a half Hurley t-shirts or Volcom t-shirts for that money. I, I'm calculating. And it's coming down and they're screaming and they're yelling and it comes down here <laughs> and finally it, it, I'm rolling the dice, Francis, right there, right? <clears throat> and I, I throw a double and there's not much left on it. And you could see the Marshall's car and I'm just ripping that thing, man. I'm shredding that thing. I'm just going nuts. I'm pulling muscles trying to get that thing. And, and I'm, I've almost got it. It's like, I'm, I'm like a, no, one more layer. And then like right next to me was sitting one of our interns, Robert. And he rolls a double. You think I want to give that thing up now? I did all the work. But you got to follow the rules. And I give it to him. And of course... He just one rip, and there's the marshal's card, and he gets the gift. And I said, I don't want to be part of the staff any longer. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> now, here's the thing, guys. You don't find your gift, it finds you. It's like that game. It is exactly like that game. 
You start involving yourself. You start volunteering for something here. You start doing something on a regular basis, and pretty soon it unwraps and unwraps. You still don't know what it is, but at a certain point right there, you could see the plan. Oh, it's a gift card. That's, I could see my gift, and then for, it's a Marshall's gift card. And now you can see exactly what that gift is as you work it, work it, work it, until finally you get the gift. That's how it works. You think I was born again and said, well, I'm going to go preach now. You think that happened? That didn't happen. Are you kidding? The first Bible study they ever asked me to give them a year and a half after I got saved. I, here's how I taught. I didn't even look up. I was so scared, man. I was, and then you're scared you're going to say something stupid, you know. But, but you know, you do it. But you, you don't know. You have to involve yourself and involve yourself and involve yourself. And pretty soon, it starts to get clear enough where you know, I know what my gift is. I can see how it's playing out. I can see how God has, has purposed me in my life. And now I can find fulfillment in that. Let, let, let me put it to you this way. You know, David, King David, but he's a teenage boy. He's out there, and his dad says, go, go shepherd the sheep. Okay. Doesn't sound very exciting, but he goes and does it. Is that going to be his end place in life? No, it's where he started. And he's out there shepherding sheep, but he knows that he has to because wild animals come. He's got to become skilled in a certain way to defend the sheep, to ward off wild animals. So he develops what? His ability with the sling. Gets really good at it. And while he's out there, he does. He fights off wild animals. And while he's out there, guess what he's learning to play? The electric guitar. Okay, they didn't have electricity back then. They didn't have amps like that. But he learns to play the guitar. And he starts playing worship songs and everything while he's learning the sling. He's out there just with the sheep. You know, that's what he's doing. And maybe he thought this is all it's ever going to be. But then he gets anointed to be king. But he's a teenage kid. He doesn't know. Oh, I wonder whoever that is. So he keeps doing that. And then one day his dad says, Hey, you know, your brothers, they need some breakfast burritos. Can you go take it to them? I heard Burger Basket has a good deal. Can you go get about 12 of them taken to the front line? Okay, Dad, can I get one for myself? Sure, and get some extra hot sauce. So he takes the burritos to the front line. When he gets there, what does he see? A bunch of scared people. He's like 15, 16, 17. And then he hears a big giant guy mouthing off. Remember that? In the Valley Elah. And the big giant guy is putting down God and putting down Israel. And David, he says, it goes, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God. Who is it? The worst thing that ever happened for Goliath is that David heard him. Amen? That was a bad day for Goliath because that teenage kid heard him. So David goes, I'll go fight the guy. I'll go take him on. Oh, no. And so King Saul, who's like seven feet tall, terrified, hiding in the tent because he's not going to get involved. Nobody in the army is going to get involved. David says, I'll get involved. So King Saul says, okay. And King Saul puts his own armor and gives him all the weaponry. And David goes, I can't use this. I haven't tested them. In other words, this is not my stuff. I can't do it the way you do it. We'll talk about that next week. I can't do it the way you do it. And so he takes it all off and David pulls out his sling. And he's got a stick because he's a shepherd. And he gets five smooth stones out of, the, out of the riverbed there. And then he goes out to fight Goliath. And Goliath taunts him and taunts him. He says, I'm going to feed you to the birds of the air and this, etc. Today after I kill you. And David trash talks right back. And he says, I know you are, but what am I? No, he doesn't say that. He says, I'm going to kill you and feed you to the birds of the air. 
And so David's smart because you operate smart within your gifts and abilities. You think David's going to get up close mano and mano with the guy? Is he? No, the guy's like 9 7. And David's 15, 16, 17. David, and Goliath thinks, ha ha. Then David's a distance away because they can shoot those things quite a distance, shepherds can, and hit right on the mark. Wham! He shoots that thing, bam! Hits the guy in the head. And everybody who thought this was a really bad idea, see Goliath go, bam, go down. David runs up, and he takes what from Goliath? His sword. What does he do with that sword? What does he chop off? His head. He holds the head and goes, yeah, you want some more? No, that's not what he said, though, okay? That's what a Mexican would have said or something. And all the Philistines flee and they run and all of a sudden all the men of Israel are brave now. You know, the ones who didn't want to fight and they go, hey Saul, he killed him. What? He gets up and they all go, they chase the Philistines. Guys, from that moment on, David never is a shepherd again for the most part. David now becomes the general of the armies of Israel. And he eventually becomes king. Go back and read the story. Do you ever, from that moment on, do you ever again see a sling in David's hand? The answer is no. From that moment on, he carries a sword. You see, he worked it, and 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 he got skilled and skilled till he could flow like water until finally he arrives at the place of the highest fulfillment. That's what God has for everybody. The sad part is most people never find it because no, most people don't volunteer. Most people aren't going to do anything. Or some people volunteer and they say, I'll be there, and they don't show up. I've seen that so many times in the last 28 years. You want to find fulfillment? Do something. Do something. You can't sit back and theorize, I wonder what my gift is. No, do something. And that gift will find you. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. Do you see a man skilled in his work? He will stand before kings. He'll not stand before obscure men. Everybody has talent. Everyone has ability. Everyone has passion. Everyone has experiences. God has given you a lot, and he's given everyone a lot to work with, and we need to do something with that. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you you're a good God if we would just seek involve ourselves and do things oh man we would find out why we're here what's our purpose David after he served the purpose of God in his own generation he fell asleep he fell asleep whether you're at home or whether you're here today let me put forth this question to you. Have you ever truly placed your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you ever truly made him your Lord, Savior, and God, where he runs the show, not you? We're no longer what you feel or what you think. It's what God's word says, and that's the way you operate. Because he's the landowner in the story, and he's entrusted you with some stuff and now it's time to follow up on that stuff and do something for him and live for him but let me put in the zero in the, in the context I'm saying right now if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your savior and lord 
Maybe today's the day, November 1st. What a great day to start. You got an extra hour of sleep even. You could start to live your life for God. He's the creator. He's the creator. He gives you purpose and reason. Or maybe a backslid. Maybe during this time or in the last couple of years, whoever's been, you just walked away. You're just living yourself. And some... And you used to be so involved. You used to do so much for God. And what are you doing now? Be honest with yourself. Well, Jim, I put in a good eight years. Wow, okay, good. It's time to come back to what you're supposed to be living for God. It's time to come back. The landowner's gone. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? He's coming back. And in week three, we're going to see what happens when he comes back. Maybe it's time for you to rededicate your life and get back in the game. So if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ and you'd like to, or you need to rededicate your life to God, and I mean really, not just say it and then, well, I did it. No, jump back in the game. Be part of the big story again because it's a big story. If you want to do that, we're so grateful. Now, I'm going to lead you in a prayer whether you're at home or you're here. And whether you want to put your faith in Jesus for the first time or rededicate your life, I'm going to say this prayer slowly and in blocks. I want you to repeat this prayer. I want the people around, everybody in the auditorium here, you repeat it out loud. Those at home, repeat it around them. If you're there and you feel funny saying it out loud in front of people, whisper it, think in your head, but after you say it, after we're done, you tell them, I prayed that prayer. You gotta tell somebody, you cannot be a secret disciple. That's what the culture wants you to be. They want you to be quiet. That's what the devil wants you to be. He wants you to be quiet. But I'm gonna say this prayer. And you can put your faith in Jesus for the first time or rededicate your life. Here we go. Here we go. Put your faith in Christ as you repeat it. Here we go. Say it with me. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me so much that you would give your life for me. Thank you for dying for me, for shedding your precious blood to forgive me Forgive me of my sins. And I know I'm forgiven. And you will never bring them up again. They're washed away. Thank you. Today, I devote my life to you as my Savior, my Lord, and my God for the rest of my life. Now let me pray for you. God, I just, I just pray, Lord. I, I, I pray for every, anyone who said those prayers for the first time or in rededication that there'll be follow through, that you will tell people, that you will tell people you gave your life to Christ, you rededicated, that you'll jump in the game. You'll be part of the big, big, big story. Jesus has left, but he's coming back. 
He's coming back to see what we've done. We will give an account. Not for sin, but for what we did with what you gave us. These gifts, talents, and abilities. And we thank you for today, God. Thank you that we got to come back in here. Thank you, Lord. We don't take much for granted anymore. And I pray your blessings upon everyone here in this place today and those at home. I pray for safety. I pray for health, God. I pray for your blood. I plead the blood upon every new beginnings person. And we thank you, Jesus. I also pray that no matter what happens on Tuesday, that people will not be immature and insane. I pray that they would be adults and grown-ups. That we would not be like kids in a toy box, that we don't get our way, then things go crazy. We'd be adults. We preached that the entire last service. Adults can agree to disagree and still respect each other and give each other dignity because everyone's created in the image of God. That's what adults do. We thank you, Lord God. And we pray for our country. We pray for America. Let your will be done. Let your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all say, Amen and amen. Amen. Will you stand up with me today? If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.